0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Roadmap, a podcast where we chat with product leaders around the world about their journey into product management and explore the decisions behind the products they work on. I'm your host Sean Crow, along with my business partner Thomas Kurchinski, and today we're super excited to have our guest Christian Trap. Christian is a senior product manager at McMac, which is which reminds me of Iqiyak from the College Days. Uh, which is a soft, software company that accelerates e-commerce growth for consumer brands. Uh, Christian, thanks for chatting with us today.
1: Pleasure to be here. Excited to talk to you
0: both. Do you guys remember Yik Yak?
1: <laughs> I do remember Yik Yak. It's, uh, it's been a while. I've, I've never thought that association with Micmac to Yik Yak. <laughs> Hopefully we yeah, haven't ruined but, it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. no! I'm about to hop on Slack and tell everybody like, yo, remember Yik Yak? Let's talk about it.
0: The classic anonymous apps will pop up every like five years and then realize that they're not a good business model. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for being here today. Um, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in product management, and then we'll kind of get into the details of what Micmac is in a little bit. For sure. Got into product management because I
1: realized with my degree being engineering management, uh, focus in manufacturing and And mechanical engineering. It was a a fun, interesting space to be. Learned a lot, ended up working in manufacturing right out of college at Nestle, but then quickly realized that lifestyle wasn't necessarily what I wanted. And unfortunately, most professors in college were from the background of mechanical or manufacturing. So they kind of said, Here's the jobs. You need to work at Lockheed Martin. You're like, Great, gonna work at Lockheed Martin. And then you get there and you're like, I'd never wanted to work at Lockheed Martin. And for me, it was at Nestle and (laughs) learned a lot. I was in more. manufacturing, manufacturing, engineering, and operations. And so seeing how a company like Nestle feeds the world learned a ton, and it was really eye-opening to how you can be so focused on quality because one piece of metal inside of a hot pocket could ruin your entire brand. Uh, So seeing how a, a big company that focuses on quality and operational excellence in order to deliver, and then the considerations around the I'll say the products or the the different type of machinery people use in order to create the final goods that are sold. Learned just a lot about that at scale, but then quickly realized I didn't want to do this forever. Uh, Got lucky and found myself a role in Nielsen, joining their uh, leadership development program in operations to start. But then through my experiences there, realized that I wanted to be more on the product side, just the way my brain was thinking, wanted to build stuff for, our customers as well as for maybe internal users to use rather than kind of running the, the factory, running the machine of data that Nielsen can be. So found my way into the uh, product side of the house, working within Nielsen's media business and then spent five years kind of jumping around different product areas. I just had a lot of interest of kind of spending 18 months in within a product group and then moving to something else. Cause I wanted to learn new things and Nielsen is kind of everywhere and all over the place. So I got that chance. So within digital measurement, within attribution, um, international book publishing, uh, oddly enough, Nielsen is like the major player in that. Got to lead kind of product on that side, and then also within music measurement, working very closely with Billboard in terms of how uh, we measure music consumption and all the products that go under underlie all of that. Con- and consumption being streaming, sales, uh, mom and pop vinyl shops, uh, radio, you name it, we measured it and and sort of and had products that all types of different people consume. So it was a really great experience for me to learn about product, how different industries think about the products that Nielsen provides from like a a data perspective and and what a product can look like, whether it's just packaged data, whether it's a user interface, whether it's tools that people use. Um, It was really awesome for me. and I I loved every minute of it, being able to work with engineers, but then also being able to be business centric and, and talking to our customers pretty often. And being the voice of their needs within the entire organization and making sure we're delivering value across uh, everything that we do. Uh, But after seven years, realized I'd been somewhere too long, needed to get out into the startup world and so jumped to a company called Pebble Post, which was building a new media channel called Programmatic Direct Mail. So direct Mm -hmm. mail, we all know it's been around for a very long time. A very effective media channel just hasn't been innovated in 30 years. Uh, You just have these emailing lists that you just Yep. Send them a mailer every month. And I'm sure you guys get the Bed Bath & Beyond uh, coupons every month. And like, if you don't use the 15% off coupon at Bed Bath & Beyond, what are you doing? Because we all have like 50 of those (laughs) sitting at our houses. Um, Really bad example, in my opinion, of direct mail, but direct mail could be really helpful if it had context around it. Did you look for shoes on Nike.com? Yes. Cool. Let's send you a, a cool mailer about shoes to hey shoe lover here's 15 percent off at nike or were you looking for dog treats at chewy.com awesome like now let's engage you in this other medium this other channel where you are at home you open the mailbox you see a piece of mail you hold that piece of mail you read it you think about if you want to keep it you walk into the trash can you throw it away that's still like a 20 second touch point where like you see an ad on facebook that's what three seconds two seconds super fast so you have someone's attention for quite a long time them to make a decision. And usually those take it and sit it on their counter and then keep seeing that for a week until they throw it away. So a really interesting channel to engage customers and join that team and that organization to help them scale. Um, did a lot with integrations with like consumer or customer CDPs uh, that was really important in helping us kind of develop a cookie list strategy um, and stayed there kind of through the pandemic. But obviously the pandemic had some impacts in, in the ad tech space that made that business a little bit more challenging and was starting to think about, is there somewhere else I want to be than being right here? And I got super lucky that a company like Micmac was looking for a PM uh, with kind of my sort of background and looking to really kind of drive a lot of growth for their business. And so made the switch over there in 2020, and it's been awesome ever since. Uh, First time joining an organization fully remote, which was weird, but it's been probably one of the best onboarding experiences (laughs) I've ever had. And, And fun being part of an organization where at this point, most of the company joined remote, which is almost wild to think about. Um, but we're doing some really cool things, disrupting some spaces and having fun from a product side, helping a still a young company, it's only a couple of years old, to find who they are, who they want to be and how they're going to compete with some of the biggest organizations and ad tech firms in, in the world.
0: Cool. Yeah, Tell us about that onboarding experience for a fully remote team. Um, cause- we we've always been remote and virtual, like we we've never had offices, and so 2020 mm-hmm. happened, and we're like, great, business as <laughs> usual, <laughs> totally. And but a, but a lot of people we talked to are like, this is so new and crazy, and like I don't know how to do this. Uh, so yeah, tell us about that uh, that process.
1: Yeah, it was oddly smooth. Came in the first day, had a list of things to do in an, in a Notion doc of just hey, here's who to talk to, here's to set up meetings with, uh, just. Go ahead and, and start doing what you want to do to kind of get up to speed and so it was really kind of on me to figure out how i wanted to start to meet people and get to know everybody because i didn't have the water cooler to go talk to or just bump into folks so i was just very deliberate about scheduling kind of coffee chats with every, i think almost everybody at the company i sometimes doubled up a few folks because that many back-to-back meetings is a little daunting but just spent the first. <laughs> week or two, just meeting everyone and, and having a lot of the same conversations over and over again, because everyone wants to know, like, what are you not to, what are you been doing, but getting to understand who is who, where do people work within the organization? What have they been doing? What's their expectations of kind of product within the organization? Um, I was the only, the second product hire at MCMAC, so still relatively new of how products can to operate and kind of take more ownership within the organization. So understanding their asks and needs and how I can help them be successful um but i think for me it was great just cuz i got the chance to talk to everybody got the chance to be familiar with every everything going on in slack and then from there just started to figure out what things do i need to have going in terms of ceremonies or meetings or regular check-ins with folks to make sure that stuff is moving along the right way and then from kind of the, the product areas i was taking over really just heavy deep dive into everything and reading a lot watching videos that people had put together over the years on how things work and than just asking a ton of dumb questions but it was great that uh i was probably the uh, 20th 30th like remote hire so they have gone through the process a couple times and those that had joined remote gave me a lot of great advice on like here's what you should do kind of being like remote and who, who you need to talk to and how you need to kind of help it go really well and kind of i've had the chance then to pass on that knowledge to others to say hey here's probably the the best way to go about it, though, now the company's 50% bigger than it was when I joined. Um, So that's changed things a little bit. But I don't know, for me, it's just getting to know everybody, figuring out what they need and what they need to know, and then figuring out what I'm supposed to be doing. And then trying to figure out where I can add value as as quickly as possible, and just jumping right in and um, not being afraid to break stuff and trying to fix it and and make sure we're just moving (laughs) along in the right way. So it was fun. I, I, cool. I I've really liked it, and it's felt really natural, which is weird. But you guys probably know that whole thing with with being remote. <laughs> it's probably if that feels totally natural, if it was in person, it feel totally weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, the best thing that we do is is like the one on ones with everybody in the team. It, it just even though yeah, it's, it might seem repetitive, but it just builds that culture that you know you need to build in a virtual world. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So tell us about just briefly what Micmac is um, on a high level and what your roles are as senior product manager there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So Micmac comes from the Yiddish word for knack, kind of like Yik Yak. Um, But our, our founder started this company in the idea of how could you almost take QVC for TV and build that into digital and make that sort of happen. Tried this idea out for a year. She realized that uh, this wasn't really gonna work and really be a great business, but there is a lot of opportunity to help brands make their media shoppable, make help them accelerate their priorities and hey, I'm gonna spend a million dollars on advertising. Let's make part of that million dollars also drive outcomes for my business so I can see the efficacy the att- att- attributing like this advertising to actual sales or to actual outcomes for my business. And make that a lot more efficient a lot more smooth um a lot easier for customers to kind of recognize and follow and and kind of piggyback off the patterns that we saw changing with e-commerce happening uh more and more and people more adoption happening by people feeling comfortable using this sort of tool so in today's micmac we are kind of like you said at the start an e-commerce acceleration platform so we are helping a brand or brand any brand shorten their path to purchase from anywhere Uh, improving their marketing effectiveness, protecting and helping them gain market share, um, and then helping them strengthen their retailer positioning. Uh, What we do offer is experiences that you can see on a brand's website or within media. That could be Google search, it could be display, it could be video, Um, but we kind of render experiences that's almost like a digital storefront. So say you're looking for Nike shoes, Um, you see an ad for Nike shoes, you open up a Micmac experience, you will see more information about that product. But then all of those different retailer outlets, you could go to buy those Nike shoes. If it's Nike.com, could be Amazon, could be Target, could be, uh, I don't know if East Bay is still a shoe company, but East Bay to buy a pair of Nike shoes. But it allows brands to almost level the playing field of, hey, I'm going to kind of have this digital storefront. I'm going to allow my store to be one of the stores that people can purchase from, but then also give all of my retail partners a chance to, also bid for um, consumers to buy this product through their retailer site or, or store. So it's it, it opens up more of those conversations because a lot of this happens like for in-store decisions but not as much for digital. Now we're kind of facilitating stronger relationships between brands and those retailers by them being able to feature various retailers within our experiences. Um, on top of all of this, we have some pretty in-depth insights around shopper behavior, as well as sales insights from primarily e-commerce as well as some some brick and mortar but it's primarily all e-commerce but being able to see how media does drive actual outcomes and and these being data sets and information that's been relatively hard to find nielsen does some of this iri does some of this Um, with our integrations we're able to do this at scale and and, and pretty quickly and give almost real-time feedback to folks on hey these channels that you're advertising through are driving actual outcomes for your business, invest more here, or looks like these other investments are not really yielding the outcomes you're expecting. We should optimize and maybe shift around that spend to other places, um, and helping them to facilitate those that decision-making more real time than they may be able to get it from other brands or other brands, other, uh, providers of that sort of information within the space. And so really kind of touching a lot of different parts of a, uh, of a brand or an agency where we can help them with their kind of experience in front of shoppers, with kind of the information they use to make decisions around their business, um, and then helping to be kind of a, a, a guiding light in kind of this ever-changing world of e-commerce with some insights that we have on where consumer preference seems to be and, and what's the most effective journey to get them to be a purchaser of your product as well as being a more loyal purchaser of your product in the future.
2: So it seems like Micmac, uh, Uh, knick, knack, -knack, all the, all the, (laughs) it it, it seems like you guys are not only just B2B, but almost like a B2B to C enabler. So you have almost like three different types of stakeholders, right? You have the end consumer, like the the purchaser, Mm -hmm. right? And then you have the brand and then you also have the retailer. Um, so what, where do you focus your time? Uh, and how do you decide to focus where your time is just because every single one of those three pieces is... uh, It's like a marketplace, except add one for complexity.
1: Yeah, that's a a really great way of describing it. For me and and where I spend most of my time, I sit on and kind of lead all of our commerce products. So everything that would touch a shopper in the wild is under my purview, as well as all the data collection that we do on top of that, um, whether it's from a retailer or from kind of our experiences. So my customers are really the brands and the end shoppers out in the world that, uh, use our products. And so I spend probably 60% of my time really focused on the brands. What are they hoping to achieve? What do they need out of our experiences to be able to drive outcomes for their business? Um, but still spending good enough time trying to understand shoppers. What are they doing? Like how? What sort of patterns do they uh, find most valuable in driving whatever outcome that is? Um, what's helpful to them? What do they need to see in order to make decisions? Where do we see people drop off and why could that be? And and really understanding that and then synthesizing kind of that insight and that research into conversations with brands because at times we'll hear, I need X, Y, and Z features uh, because I just think they're important. And I'll try to come back and say, well, yes, I understand you see value in those features. Here's what the data is telling me about shoppers and like really the features that they would need And let's try to match that together of like what how this is gonna work to like make sure your consumers of your product are happy as well as the things you think are important for your brand image. And let's find that happy middle ground for whatever this needs to look like and and what those features actually need to be that are gonna drive those outcomes. And so it's it's a lot of interesting balancing act. Um I've first time in a role, I mean, from Nielsen it was all B2B. So now that I've in kind of a B2C role, like that continuous user research is uh, a new area that I continue to build more uh capability around for myself and and kind of how we do this in an efficient way Um, how i get in front of a a good variety of of shoppers as well to uh get insight to help make us make better decisions around what they need to have and then spending a lot of time just out there on other sites like being a consumer shopping understanding patterns what works well what why amazon decided to have a a shopping cart on the right hand side that's collapsible Like, like what what's the thought, what's the use case around that to kind of see and understand some of those other patterns that um, maybe I don't need to do as much research around because I kind of recognize and I can find things in the world to say, yeah, that does seem to be pretty widely accepted. Here's some research that others have published on this. And what are those kind of concepts that we could think about adopting or innovating on top of to make our experiences as compelling as possible and as effective as possible?
0: For sure. So I want to, I'm a little unclear as to what like, is this a SaaS product or is this a custom implementation per client? Because it sounds like there's a little bit of both and there's a huge data layer as well. So it, yeah. Is this like something that I can just sign up for and I have, or is this custom for every, every client?
1: So it's definitely a SaaS product, but there's a white glove managed service element, like kind of layered on top of it. Um, Got it. And a lot of that is just due to, the flexibility that, that exists within our platform, there's a lot of levers that a, a brand can pull and understand. And so, uh, we have a team of experts that will help kind of guide a brand through that journey of what they want to do, what they want to achieve, and how we can make our experiences work in that way. Um, and a lot of these brands that we work with kind of expect that they don't have, they they don't pay for those teams to exist within their organizations. They pay companies like Micmac or others to. Hey, just have someone. Who can I pay to do this for me and make sure it's done the right way? Uh, so we layer in a level of managed service within there. Though a lot of our tools that we've developed for our own internal users to use in order to help brands, uh, we're now beginning to open those up to brands that want to do it themselves. Because we see more and more that, hey, great that I can have someone to help me, but I'm okay. Just check in with me occasionally, and like otherwise I can use your tools and they they make pretty make pretty good sense on what I have to get done while using them. So starting to develop this. Uh, blended sort of model, I think, in the end of a it's self-service like a service and managed, yeah, yeah, like yeah a hybrid, hybrid SaaS thing model, which will always kind of be the case for these big brands. Yep, Coca Cola does not wants to pay someone to do it. They have the money. They don't need to hire people to do these things within their own organization. So you always have to kind of service both those that want managed service and those that want self-service. And uh, we've done the managed service side really well with our SaaS product we're really kind of focusing on that self-service side to be able to scale and and attract customers that maybe at a lower price point because they want uh, more control on their side and less of of our involvement, which, which can be fine and and gives us more access to more, more
0: brands to work with. Mm -hmm. My second clarification question is how is this different than just an e-commerce store?
1: So typically an e-commerce store, like let's, let's take Nike again. Like my Nike e-commerce store is just going to be me purchasing or, consumers purchasing through Uh, Nike.com. It's very much focused on, hey, this is what I'm selling on my site for my products. What we're doing is we're unlocking you to sell your product through all the channels that you currently sell your product through on all of those websites. You choose, we can facilitate that in your digital storefront. So it becomes a digital marketplace for Nike Air Maxes. uh, And which are those retailer retailers that you want to showcase within your digital Okay. So it brings
0: all of the retailers into one digital experience. Exactly. Got it. Cool. Okay. And so diving a little bit into your product team. So your title is senior product manager. And you said there was one other, um, product leader, um, at the company. Is there anyone else since you've joined or is it just YouTube for now? We've just recently brought in
1: another uh, just on kind of how our our business is scaling where we need more focus and a lot of integrations uh, in order to facilitate and continue to service as many customers as possible. So yeah, I was the second. And then we have our kind of head of product uh, who was early on kind of first five employees within the organization. Uh, So for a while, there was just, just the three of us, me kind of handling everything commerce and our internal platforms and some integrations, and then another product leader, managing our kind of dashboard and insights engine, and then some of the integrations as well. Uh, And we realized that there was a little overlap. So we figured someone should probably just take these integrations things both off of our, both of our plates that we can focus ourselves a little bit more on what we can do to deliver value more quickly in some of these other areas.
2: On the, on the front with, um, so so it sounds like you have pretty regular interactions with the brands that you work with, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And you, you know you do the classic interviews you go through that whole kind of uh you know process but then on the consumer side how do you how do you get information or how do you interview individual consumers or do you even or is it just all data driven
1: um a lot of it's data driven that we can see and that that's helpful signals but not always like the best sort of feedback you need um i've really leveraged a lot of our uh kind of family and friends on kind of asking some questions and trying to get a good feel for kind of some different concepts and whether those will land. Uh, we've also kind of explored some services you can buy. And so like usertesting.com and other places to get insights. So that is expensive and, and not the best model to work with, but otherwise you probably need to hire a whole team to do it yourself if you, if you want to do it. So you end up justifying the cost based on all of that, but we're trying a lot of different things to, to make that work and, and make sure we have a representative sample in order to understand what does my grandmother want while she's using Instagram or TikTok and and seeing one of these experiences versus what is uh, someone in the United Kingdom going to be using? That's 21. Um, so trying to get a representative sample to test some of our theories, and I've really found that leveraging family and friends is a, is a quick way to do that because I can kind of understand like who are these five people I'm talking to? Do they seem to be representative from where they live, age group, um, and then kind of see their feedback on that and be able to ask pointed questions, but still keeping it simple for them. Um, But I know we're going to hit a point that it's just going to be challenging to do that. So leveraging more of those user testing.coms or other sites to be able to continue to scale and do this um, ongoing and and really real time kind of feedback all the time will be the kind of Holy grail for us.
0: It sounds like, so you you're very data driven it sounds like is a big part of your your role what other pms wear a ton of hats right like a million different hats what are the other roles that you kind of fill on a week to week basis like what does a typical week look like for you
1: typical week
0: uh you know <laughs> if there is such a thing
1: yeah, i wish what, i what wish there day? was such a thing <laughs> typical day i mean a lot of it is i feel like a lot of times it's like reassuring our customer teams and like our, on what we're doing or kind of what these features are, how they operate and answering just a lot of questions Uh, seems to be a lot of things that come up, just brands wanting to know, can X, Y, and Z use case be done with what we have here Um, and helping them to kind of facilitate those conversations on kind of understand what they're trying to achieve and how our product can be used in order to achieve those sort of goals. Um, But I mean, I think really truly, a lot of my time is just understanding the needs of our customers, talking to them, uh, or talking to our customer reps that represent them and understanding what is their feedback, positive or negative, like what is the underlying thing they're asking for, the underlying challenge that we need to address and look at. And let's start to ideate and figure out how we make that better. Um slowly also trying to get rid of like a lot of work on my plate around just ticket management and like questions, inquiries that we get from from our teams that um, traditionally was handled primarily by myself and the other PM that we had to manage Zendesk. And that was very unmanageable, uh, very quickly once we transitioned to it. Uh, so luckily we've got now product support specialists in to kind of handle that more and be able to kind of route tickets and questions as they come in. But still tends to be a lot of the things that we talk to, cause we're, we're talking to hundreds of brands on a daily basis and always different types of questions and everyone does want product to chime in to make sure that is this the right thing to say? Uh, and so I, I will chime in and, and give the, the statement that needs to be said and then document that somewhere and say, actually, here's your answer now. You don't need to ask me again if I, if I say that, and I'll let you know if that changes. Um, and then I spend a lot of time like with my engineering team, um, really bouncing ideas off of them, helping to understand what they're building, what are some other considerations we should think about for the future, and, and really incorporating them in the whole design thought process pretty early on uh, so that I don't go down a certain road too quickly and not consider what would or may not be possible based on a certain avenue that I'm going. So uh, having that kind of open dialogue and and making it kind of a fun place to brainstorm constantly with them to say like, had this crazy idea, took a picture of what I jotted down here, like what I'm thinking, tell me why this is a terrible idea. (laughs) And then being able to work off of that and Kind of come to a, a good decision on whether we want to move forward with something or 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 not.
0: Um, having yeah. a having an engineering team ourselves, we know how much they love being interrupted from their work. Oh, <laughs> how yes. do you how do you manage those like little micro interactions with them where you where you just want to you just want some feedback, but you know you shouldn't bother them all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will kindly say, I have some questions when might you have five minutes to talk or 10 minutes to talk? And just letting them kind of say, I have time now or like, let's do it this evening. Um, so just letting them kind of dictate that schedule. Um, if it's something I need urgently, I'll just kind of say, hey, I need you to drop what you're doing. I need you right now. But otherwise, hey, when do you, when do you think you'll have time like to get stuff done? Cause I wanna make sure that we're delivering on what we committed to for this sprint. Um, do you feel like you have time this afternoon or tomorrow we can talk and and kind of knock some stuff out together um, so usually that's the way it goes. I, I have regular check-ins with all of the members of the team. So I try to like save things for those specific times, but me and my EM, we're talking every hour on every 10 minutes, probably, uh, just about stuff. So it, it's pretty fluid in that regard. And, um, if I, I'll, I'll keep it to like conversation with her. And if it needs to go to the other engineers, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. But otherwise I try to, hold back and be respectful as much as possible but we we love the friday someone just open up a, a zoom call and people just maybe on mute maybe on video but just people hanging out on a room and can just like kind of talk as things come up and otherwise you're just kind of working together so we tend to do that a lot where a lot of great conversation and, and a lot of information is shared and where some really cool ideas have come just from uh someone raising it an idea and then all of a sudden two hours later we've Think we've solved a problem that we've had for a while, um, so
0: that's also kind of fun.
2: That's cool. What um, we we've used a service uh, I forget what app it was called. Oh, Tandem. That's what it was. Called. Tandem.
0: Yeah. Tandem. Yeah. Um, I hear uh, they've had a lot of good updates since we've used them. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. We we
2: we we stopped using them for a little bit um, slash stopped using them, um, but we might <laughs> reuse them again just because. I'm really into bikes, and I love the name. And it seems like you have a Peloton too. So, um, yeah, it, it allowed you to have that kind of like virtual co- uh, water cooler type kind of thing. Mm. You know, and you could just ping someone and instead of and like you 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 join a meeting versus like set up a meeting sort of you know concept. But interesting. Um, so that might be something cool for you to check out. And that reminds me, Sean, that we should probably also like do something because I love that like Friday idea. Um, but the question I was going to ask was, uh, what percentage of features would you say are ones that are driven via feedback that you hear from either consumers or brands versus ones that you come up with internally amongst your team? And, like, and how do
1: you balance that? I think what's been interesting for us, I'm, like, I'm going through our refining our, our Q2 strategy and, and getting things kind of set up right now. I would say a lot of the, I've been reassured for this quarter on like what we're doing, because a lot of the ideas that we had internally are just like, we'd thrown on a wall at whatever point of like, this is probably what we need to do was also the feedback we were getting from our customers as well, like what they needed to have. Now, the priority around those was a little bit different, but still the concepts were pretty much similar to what we were thinking. So I would say in that regard, we got Kind of lucky, and we kind of know where our opportunities are, like from internal ideas and where our customers are 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 handing those. But there are definitely some areas um, of the commerce product suite that I would say maybe half that come in that we end up like working on our, our customer feedback. But I try to make sure that it's themes of things that I are validated by multiple customers, not just one. Um, also, is there a way to solve this that serves? multiple purposes and not just one very specific small thing and how can I make things easier across the board and so I've really encouraged my uh, the the CS team to hey let's hear these ideas but let's think about like some of these solutions and what it means for this one customer but what does it mean for that other one because if that other one won't like this or appreciate it like why am I doing this at all but if we can solve it in a way that also gives benefit to them those are ideas that I'm going to kind of really latch onto and be very much interested in So I would say a lot of that comes to be about half and half for some of our products, just based on what we hear and what people need. But I would say overall, um, we've been pretty good about being ahead on a lot of this stuff. It's more of that battle of like, what's the priority and when should we address it? I feel like some things I'm like, ah, that's Q3, Q4. And people are like it's now. And so we have to figure out what is, how do we negotiate to get that, uh, that stuff built in, but always kind of working to try to make sure that we're ahead and or like informed and not just being blindsided with ideas. And I, I do appreciate our sales team being very diligent about the notes that they take from like any conversation with our customers. And so they we have this concept called field notes uh, in Slack. And so they always will capture every topic that comes up in a meeting. And so we and myself, the other PMs do a great job of just reading those and kind of seeing like, what are the trends? What are people talking about? Because a lot of times you'll start to hear nuggets of information where the next time they talk to that same customer, they're asking for this thing, and a lot of the times we're like, "Yeah, I probably saw I saw that one coming." And this is being the need and what they need wanted to have from all of this. Um, so I think we're pretty good about staying ahead of it, but it it is a constant work in progress to like make sure you you find new and innovative ways to, to kind of know and anticipate what your customers are going to be asking for.
0: What's on your Q2 strategy? It sounds like you're right in, right now in the midst of, of planning for Q2. Um, you're probably not done with it, but on a high level kind of <laughs> yeah. your head out there
1: <laughs> yeah I mean in terms of strategy, one area I'm, big, I'm really focused on is scale um, how can we for the tools that our, our internal teams are using right now, how can I allow them to scale more efficiently and faster um, but also in that like I concept of scale how can I Be building or adding features to these tools that if I were to flip the switch and make it available to a brand or an agency, it's something that they could use and it's intuitive almost immediately, as long as they had someone to train them and be kind of that supportive counterpart on here's the tools you're now going to use in a self serve way. So that's one major one for me because I do want us to be in a position where I can offer managed service or self service SaaS to any customer and let them kind of choose what they want to have. Um, and I don't want to have too many variations of a product where like, this is the, this product for like self-serve, this is it for managed service. Like it needs to be the same thing. So it needs to be easy to use. And, um, I can't need to make sure what I'm doing is going to be straightforward for any user and not just one specific type. Um, so that's a big one. The other one is continuing to kind of innovate our, our front, our shopper facing experiences. How can we make things smoother, more elegant? Um, more creative flexibility in some areas, uh, we just see more and more brands really testing out new creative ways to, uh, display their digital storefronts or kind of what they want out of their digital storefronts. So how can we offer, um, more ways to do that, that also allows to like maintain control because that can get unwieldy very fast. So how can we support their needs and their wants while also. Making it super easy to manage in a way that's just smart, but exploring kind of new options going to be testing a lot of new concepts and ideas in, in market to see what kind of lands, what is actually um, going to drive outcomes. Um, I have some, I have some very bullish ideas. I know others do too. So wanting to, to AB test a lot of stuff and, and hopefully make uh, experiences that are a bit more elegant, also kind of support some new use cases that we didn't have before.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, Thomas, do you have any last questions before we go into the final no. rapid no. fire? You good?
2: I'm good. I'm all good.
0: Cool. All right. Um, we We'll go into the rapid fire questions here. The first one Love is it. what books are you currently reading or that you recommend?
1: Um, the one I've been reading right now is the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick, uh, Linconi, which has been interesting as we're a growing company what do I need to start looking out for as we get bigger and bigger and, and how can we get ahead of those challenges so that we're a very functional team and not dysfunctional at all. So that one's been a good, just like business book. Um, another one that got recommended to me, not really work related, but just kind of thinking about the stress of 2020 and how can we just like internalize that and then move forward is it's called the places that scare you by Pima Shodron, uh, which is an interesting one. She's a, a Buddhist nun. Uh, so kind of a fun, fun book to check out. She's a a ton of different writing. And then for what I listened to just for fun, I've almost finished with Robert Jordan's wheel of time series a fan fantasy novel series. It's like 14 books. Wow. Uh, so start, started during the pandemic and nearly finished. So that's, uh, going to be very sad when that ends, but that's <laughs> the other book.
0: Nice. Is it good? I, I have, I've somehow never heard of that. Is it good? It's great. I think Amazon just picked up the the rights
1: to do a show about it. And uh nice. if they if they do it the right way, it'll be awesome. Uh so just hoping they don't screw it up.
0: Yep. I got really into um his Dark Materials on oh, HBO. Nice. If you haven't watched that, it's great. It's based I think it's based off a fantasy novel in the, from the 90s, but it's good. That's one of that's one of mine that I need to uh tackle next. Yeah. All right, number two, what podcasts are you currently listening to? Uh,
1: my morning routine is to listen to The Daily and Up First from NPR. Um, I also love Pivot with, like, Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Just their mm-hmm. their banter is awesome, but they're so informed, and it's just, like, entertaining yet, like, informative, which I really like. Um, and then more recently, just, like, we've been developing the concept of OKRs and, like, being more efficient around OKRs within the organization. So there's... One called Giant Talk, like the world's first OKR podcast. So I've been tuning into that oh, just to get a cool. sense of like best practices with OKRs, especially in like a young company and how we need to think oh, about yeah. that. Uh,
2: measure What Matters. Um, oh, it's, uh, it's he, he's the guy who invented
0: OKRs pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's, there's actually a book
2: somewhere that kind of works on that. It's called a Radical Focus. This was recommended okay, right to on. us by um, someone that we. Uh, that we met on lunch club which is a really cool
0: thing
1: too um, how do you guys like lunch club i I just joined but i haven't really gotten tuned in as much yet I've, thomas is a I've
0: power really user yeah i
2: i think i've had like 40 or 50 or 60. i I don't even know how many meetings i've had but um it's, it's been really cool you get to meet some really interesting folks every now and then you get pitched insurance uh like one <laughs> times um but the other 19 is great
1: yeah so all right. Nice. I'm, I'm excited that that lunch club and clubhouse are like the two that I've just started to yeah. dabble into a little bit.
0: Nice. Um, all right. Number three, what tools can you not live with, live without as a PM? You know, I think my favorite tool anymore is Miro. I don't know if you guys use Miro at all, but yep.
1: just for like rapid prototyping, whiteboarding, Anything you want to do, you can kind of just make it in Miro. Uh, So that one's been like my favorite one to use. I feel like I just end up building stuff in there and like, Hey, let me tell you about an idea and then take people through my stream of consciousness, which is like a Miro board, which is just never that organized, but yet it makes sense to me. So that's probably my number (laughs) one. Um, I love notion. Uh, First started using notion here. I had always wanted to in other companies, but no one wanted to pay for it. But here we're pretty heavy notion users. And I really like that. Um, And then I'm not particularly good at it, but I love my designers and I love what they do in Figma. And I mm-hmm. love to be able to show people Figma designs. So Figma is probably my other favorite one that I just want to be able to learn a bit more. Uh, I just need to get them to trust me to like not screw up any of their designs. <laughs> uh, so those are probably like my big three uh, ones. And then obviously Google Drive, like the collaboration on on words, on docs, sheets, slides, is just unparalleled so like, I'd say that's my one I also just literally could not live without.
0: Love it. Yeah, we used most of
2: those. Yeah, we used to be really big into Sketch. And then we discovered Figma. And we're like, Mm. it's the Google of Docs for design. And it's easy. Um, Yeah. And there's so many neat features on there. Like when you click on someone that's on the Doc and you can see their screen as they like walk through stuff. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I, I just started tuning more into like the Figma community as well. It's like for concepts and ideas. And I love that feature. I was like, I got the email and I it, peed the designers. I was like, this is awesome. This is what I needed to like get inspiration. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not something that new for you guys, but for me, it was new. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: All right, number four, what are the top three most used apps on your phone?
1: Uh, Slack for sure, uh, Peloton uh, trying to just continue that new year's resolution. Um, and then probably like Google maps. I was just like traveling lately. So Google maps of like where I need to go. That ends up being just like the number one used and kills my battery, but probably those three.
0: (laughs) Every Google product just kills, kills batteries. You know, it's
1: unfortunate.
0: (laughs) Um, all right. Number five, what app or tool feature have you been recently pleasantly surprised by? Um, the group session on Spotify is pretty cool. I was
1: I feel like, I was asking for that like five years ago, and I had other friends that built tools that were similar to this, and was like, why can't you put this together? Like, and now it's finally come out, and I've been pleasantly like surprised by, by it, and and have enjoyed it. Um, and then the other one I would say is you can set a timer on Calm app, so if you put like sleep sounds or something, it'll shut off at a certain time love that because like once it turns off like i just will wake up afterwards and it's like kind of a perfect little non-alarm going off so i didn't know you could do that until like two days ago and that's been like the awesome new uh new addition to my sleep routine you
0: know what i recently discovered is because all uh, my dog sleeps in my bed and if there if there's like people talking um, like behind the wall she'll start barking and that's just like not okay at night because <laughs> I need to sleep <laughs> uh, so I'll put like some sounds on my home pod and what I found out is that you can set a timer on your phone just like the normal phone timer and instead of it playing a tone it's turn off audio it's stop mm. playing and it's just one uh-huh. of the options and I didn't know that was there either but it's great oh
1: that's nice I, I, I like that one a lot um Yeah, any way to make sleep better, I'm always for, like, those features.
0: (laughs) All right, number six, who do you follow and get inspiration from? Um,
1: I'm I'm probably going to butcher his name, but Michael Harbeck on LinkedIn. um, He was, like, ex-Facebook, ex-every of the big tech companies. Um, I just love everything he kind of puts out, and, like, it's just fun to read and also inspires me to, like, be better on LinkedIn in terms of, like, what he talks about how he presents information um, and then like for inspiration, medium, the hands dribble figma community like I think I just jump between all of that stuff to just read and uh, I don't know absorb it all osmosis of all this information to try to make some decisions but I can I, I jump between being like very much I want to read about it and or just being very visual to see it so I think those all kind of help me balance both sides of my brain a
0: little bit. All right. Number seven, are there any product management trends you're excited about in 2021?
1: Um, I would say there have been a lot of like product management roadmap tools that have been coming out for the last couple of years. Excited to see any one of them maybe become the leader in the space because like you have, aha, product plan, product board uh, timelines from Trello, like there's all these different stuff. And I've tried all of them and they all kind of work, but I'm waiting to see the one that like really combines like the feedback and then like the delivery and handoff to, to engineering as well as like the insights and prioritization of roadmap in between. Like if one can do all of that, like I will be so into signing up and paying for that sort of service. Uh, cause it's. I mean, anymore, I think roadmaps just, you want to use a tool, you start using a tool, you realize I'm just going to go back to Google Sheets again to show you my roadmap. Then you're like, I need to do something better. You do try something better, be you end up back in Google Sheets. And so I want something to actually stick and stay uh, finally for like a, a roadmap, which would be really nice. But I think that's a big one. For, uh, otherwise, I think there's this concept of like operation or product operations manager that kind of like mm-hmm. go between a little bit between product and others. I think that will be interesting to see the value, I don't know if like Mick in a position to really have that be valuable yet, but, um, some of what I read about there out there about those sort of roles, I think does fill a gap and helps the organization be more efficient, be better around products. So, um, be curious to see what, what more happens in that. If I do see more of those jobs out on the market around, um, product operations, um, and then like, just, I think the essentialist product manager, just like more focus, uh, in 2021 around people's jobs and maybe less of the uh, 12,000 different hats, but more focused amount of hats that a a PM wears. So I think that's just going to be more and more important because everyone I talk to it's also in product feels just very stretched thin. And so the more that we can focus ourselves, I think the better all of us can be at, at what we do.
0: Totally. And you're the second person within a week to talk about product ops and I keep seeing it as well. Um, and Thomas and I inadvertently hired a product op position. We, we didn't know we were doing it, but there's Jason on our team. Like that's exactly, nice. that's exactly what all he does is make sure that like yeah. gets our process in order to make sure that we get what we need from the clients, you know, and just, it goes down to the developers without, you know, a hitch.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, and it's definitely different than a program manager or like, there's just this other, this other niche here, which I, I think there's a lot of value in uh, just kind of almost being the uh, connector, the API between product and, and other folks um, where I yeah. think like product is kind of an API, but this is like another API, like hope where this API can't always get to. So, um, yeah, interesting to see kind of what happens on that side, because I think with the customer research, you need design kind of owns that, product kind of owns that, who kind of actually owns it. Maybe this other type of role owns that within an organization. Um, so it'll be cool to see I'm be excited to hear about from you guys, how, how, uh, his role evolves over time
0: and, and what, um, kind of different sort of stuff he gets into. Thomas loves analogies. I saw your face light up there. Yeah. <laughs> the API. I
2: do, I, yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking about Sean was, um, uh, long time ago, Christian, Sean and I had, well, before we started like a, an agency, we, um. We ran a nutrition company and we're um, mm. like a, like a nutrition coach for your pocket, et cetera. And we were through this accelerator program and there's this company uh, at the accelerator too. that was with us. We're really close with They're out of, uh, Madison, um, it's called Redox and they're the mm. modern API for healthcare. That's how like they kind of pitch them. And so we, I, anytime I hear something like the API, I was like, API <laughs> for this is like, redox for sure um krishna i have one surprise thing that maybe hopefully make your day and if you've heard about it i'll still pretend like it has um so since you do like sleep so much and since you do like peloton so much um there is maybe a fourth app that you can add to your top three it's called wave and it's pitched as the peloton for sleep um so um, no way pretty interesting yeah you like literally book sessions for someone to make you go to sleep
0: um so I think wow. that might be kind of interesting for you.
1: What? like uh,
0: yeah. so there's like a live human in your headphones while you're trying to sleep?
2: I hear I'm gonna show you on the screen, but it's basically like someone that's just you like book a session. I don't know if you can see that. You book a session oh for when someone gosh. can like yeah. take you to sleep at a specific time. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Yeah. So huh dang. Mind blown. It's Friday talk right there. Interesting. Yeah. Do you remember that app that came out where you would you would Pay someone to call you in the morning oh, to geez. talk to you to wake up. Yeah. So it was like oh, it was no like way. this global community of people, and you would say, "I want to wake up at seven a.m., four a.m., whatever it is," and someone in the world where it's a normal time would get a notification, and say, "Hey, call this person. They they need to wake up," and you just I'm- talk to a stranger, and, and it like wakes you up. <laughs> what? I think I would just like cl- cancel the call and be like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs>
1: It's like, uh,
2: like and the, the good old days when you actually did go to a hotel, like the whole like, um, what,
1: the wake-up call from uh, oh, yeah.
2: front desk, yeah, same thing. So you just got to
1: hide the phone across the room and not let people just like <laughs> be able to silence it or anything like that.
2: I really wanted to, I studied electrical engineering when we were talking about Miami. I studied electrical engineering and I really wanted to create, um, you ever know, like at, at the mall, yeah. <laughs> back in the days of malls, there'd be that like raccoon-like thing attached to that ball that would roll around. Oh yeah. 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 I really wanted mm-hmm. to put a speaker in that thing, get a Bluetooth enabled and that's your alarm. And then you'd have to chase it around the room to actually like uh, get it to shut off, so.
1: So we just put put a, an Alexa on top of a Roomba and so it cleans the room and it runs away from you.
0: <laughs> Genius. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, if that's not a million-dollar idea, I don't know what is. Yeah, but I think it's a, a great spot to end there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many ideas. Um, cool. If anyone else listening here, Christian, wants to reach out or learn more about you or Mic Mac, where can they go?
1: Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn anytime. i always down to connect and, and, and meet new folks. Um, if you have questions about MicMac specifically, it's just Christian at MicMac.com.
0: Sweet. Thanks so much for being on the show. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it.